Hey everybody, this is Michael Eisner and this is the AS Natural Health Podcast. I'm really excited and honored to be releasing this new episode. In this podcast, I interview Heather Peterson. She's a mind-body coach. There's loads of incredible insight in this episode, so if you can, listen to it more than once. Now, I've picked out some excerpts from this interview for you to hear right now. The reason for this is because what she is saying needs to be heard sometimes several times before it really sinks in. But when it does, real change can begin. So here's the first one. And it boils down to the emotion. You, you have to quit focusing on the physical. You, you cannot always be consumed with what do I need to change physically? It is not a physical thing. It is an emotional component that will get you over that hump. I am going to play that one more time. And it boils down to the emotion. You, you have to quit focusing on the physical. You, you cannot always be consumed with what do I need to change physically. It is not a physical thing. It is an emotional component that will get you over that hump. Honestly, I think we could all hear that one many, many times. Uh, but I think twice for now is enough. Um, so I guess the real question here is, but how? How can I get over that emotional hump? Well, we definitely get further into that in greater detail in this episode. But for now, I have another. So listen, listen closely. I'm not just playing these because they're cool. What Heather has to say here is fundamental. Here's the thing. Our foundation of why we have pain is because we're not being true to ourselves. Is because... Deep down, we don't want to do that thing anymore. We don't want to be that person anymore. We're sick and tired of being told who to be and how hard to work and who we have to please. And if we can start saying hell no to things that we really want to say hell no to instead of being a people pleaser and trying to be the good mom or the, the good dad or the good uh, spouse, whatever, and just saying that actually doesn't do me, that does nothing for really don't want to be that person anymore. And, and really stay, sticking in, in your integrity and saying no. And here we go. One last excerpt from this episode. Here it is. Everybody that is suffering with anything physical, anything that manifests physically has an emotional root. And to quit focusing on the physical and come back to how you're feeling and, and, and really discover who you are and who you, who you really want to be versus who you are. And um, there's hope for everybody. Those are big words. Easy, maybe easier said than done. However, what an incredible invitation to really discovering who we are. And when I hear that, when I hear Heather saying that, I just think, Wow, what what an immense opportunity to change my life, to do what inspires me, what lights me up, what excites me. So this really excites me. It excites me because this suffering, the suffering that I that I experienced for so long, it, it wasn't for for nothing. You know, it. Um, it had a good reason for being there. And what she's laid out here is that there's two components. 
the emotional component, and then getting on track with our life's purpose and what we really want to do and what we don't want to do. And what I love is that she just lays it out and says it so perfectly and clearly because that is, that's the message. If there is a message, that's it. Learn to resolve this unresolved emotional stress and learn to start acting and acting and behaving true to ourselves and being brave to who we are and what it is that we would like to do in this lifetime. Anywho, I, I leave you guys with this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I really did. If you want to get in touch with her, do it. Um, all her information is in the show description. If you'd like to get a hold of me, get a hold of me. I'd love to speak with you. I'm coaching people now. Or if you'd like clarity on something, I'll speak with anyone for an hour for free. My email is in the description below, so feel free to get in touch. I wish you all a great day and enjoy. Today we have Heather Peterson. She is um, the wife of Billy Peterson, which uh, should have been just the last episode. I haven't published it yet, but it's coming up. Um, a bio. Hi, Heather. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Good. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Heather Peterson is the owner and founder of Pain Free for Good. She is a mind-body coach and a healer who specializes in helping women overcome chronic physical and emotional pain. Heather overcame a myriad of mind-body syndromes, including vertigo, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, hypothyroidism, hormone imbalance, female rep reproductive issues, migraines, back, neck, and shoulder pain, and plantar fasciitis. She is passionate about educating others on the origin of their pain and how to overcome and claim their power that has always been within them so that they can live a pain-free life. Heather and her husband, Billy, set down roots in Morgan. Is it Morgan? Yep, Morgan, Utah. Morgan, Utah, with their five beautiful children. She enjoys filling her cup with trail running, gardening, traveling, lattes, and sitting in the sun and enjoying nature. You bet. Awesome. That's fantastic. Where, um, where do you like going, uh, traveling? What are your favorite spots that you've been to? Mm -hmm. Well, we've had the opportunity to kind of be all over the world, uh, Africa, Argentina, France, Norway, wow. I mean, India, we've gotten around. So, wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Any stick out to you? I loved our Africa experience. We were able to go a couple years ago and that was just very impressive. Very, very neat experience. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to do more traveling and definitely would love to go to Africa as well. Yes. So getting right into it. Um, let's talk about your experiences with, uh, syndromes and specifically how old were you when you started feeling them and when did they, um, and, and when did they come on? How old were you? Okay. So, my biggest symptom uh, began when I was 25. Um, I was actually out for a trail run with my husband, Billy, and we were headed to this peak of a mountain and I became so incredibly dizzy that I could not even put one foot in front of the other. Ended up having to come off the mountain, 
and just go home. I couldn't even finish the, the summit that we were going to. And from then on, I was just pretty much on the couch, having to lay flat because I couldn't even function. I thought maybe I'm pregnant. Maybe I have, need glasses. Maybe um, something's wrong with me neurologically. I went and had went to the eye doctor. I went to my OB. I went to the neurologist and all of them said, and there's nothing wrong with you other than I ended up going in for an MRI because it was so extreme. And um, he, his diagnosis for me was, wow, you're a very dizzy girl. And I thought, wow, that is my diagnosis. I could have diagnosed myself with that. Thank you for, I don't even know what <laughs> he had no, no, uh, referral for me to feel better or do anything different. And from then on, I, I developed, um, hypothyroidism, adrenal problems. Um, I'd always kind of had migraines here and there, but they got pretty severe around the time I was 25, 26. Um, my ability to be a mother at that time was kind of taken away. I, um, had to quit running. I had to quit CrossFit because I was too dizzy, too exhausted. Um, I had chronic fatigue. I just was completely incapable of, um, standing in general for long periods of time. Um, I would take my kids to school and I would come home and I would lay down for most of the day and I'd have to set an alarm to be able to get up to remember to go get them. I'd have to pull over on the side of the road several times just to get my bearings. Um, I've called, called my husband and I'd be like, I am on the side of the road and I am so dizzy. I don't even know what to do. And my world would just spin at night when I would lay down to sleep. It was incredibly frustrating. Um, I developed migraines to the point where the only way I would feel better is to, to vomit. Um, and then I would be okay, but it was, it was chronic and it was every day and I was dealing with it and it just affected me being a mom it affected me being a, a good wife, being able to take care of my home and provide for my family. It was just, I had to quit everything. So that was the biggest bulk of my pain. Right. And how long would you say that, uh, that lasted before you began getting to the root of it or, or started opening opening up to getting better. Yeah, it was probably four years. Wow. That. Wow. Yeah. So a big, a big blow to your identity. Totally. Yeah. Right. I'd yeah, love to talk to you about that and the work you do. I, I just want to write that down because one thing I've noticed and with myself getting better and through talking to lots of people is identity being challenged mm -hmm. through this process. Mm -hmm. And and maybe a redefinition of who we are. Absolutely. Um, okay. So what, what changed things? Like, what, did you get professional diagnoses from doctors eventually? Did you, um, did you get on medication? What was yep. your Western medicine journey? <clears throat> yeah. So um, my OB I went to, she, I would tell her I'm tired. I'm tired. And I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression as well. And so she put me on an antidepressant. She sent me to an adrenal doctor who diagnosed me with hypothyroidism and told me I'd be on this medication for the rest of my life. So I was taking hypothyroid medication. I was taking adrenal 
pills, all kinds of supplements. I was having to do spit tests and send them in and have be reevaluated because the medication I was on wasn't working. Um, my energy levels were completely non-existent. I was just, my muscles ached. I just was weak and the little bit of exertion would just completely wear me out. Um, so, I mean, I was on, I was probably like on 18 pills a day at one, at one time. And it just felt like so ridiculous to me. And every time I'd go in to this adrenal doctor, I'd, I'd say, okay, she'd be like, how are you feeling? You feeling better? And I'd feel, I'd say, no, I feel no different. I feel not, I don't feel any better at all. And she's like, wow, that's so weird. I just, let's try something different. Let's try something different. And my frustration would just build and my lack of trust in her would just diminish. And my frustration was just off the charts. And I just felt like, how does someone who was perfectly healthy their whole life, all of a sudden just fall apart? I don't understand that. And for me, that was, I was always told you're healthy as a horse, you know, from all my doctors growing up. And I was, I took a lot of pride in, in my health that I was the, a healthy person because I had a sister who had a lot of health problems. Um, and so that, that became my identity. I was the healthy, the healthy one, you know, and for that to be taken away from me and for me not to understand how it started, what the origination of this demise of my health was, was um, a huge ego blow for me. Wow. What uh, um, did your sister have uh, autoimmune symptoms or um, my sister was prematurely born and she had asthma and she was really susceptible to pneumonia as a kid and um, things like that. So nothing huge, but um, health issues as a kid, it yeah. was, it was a big deal. You were the healthy one. Yep. So um, what changed things and how old are you? You're 25. So around 29, 30, mm -hmm. something, something switched. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who did my hair who her mom did energy work. And she said, you should, you should talk to my mom. And I was, she, she kind of told me several times and I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually I got so desperate. I was like, you know what? I'm willing to see anybody that can maybe make me feel better. So I set an appointment with her. She is a cranial sacralist. Um, so she deals a lot with people and their emotions and things like that. And I went to her not really knowing what to expect. I had no idea what energy work or cranial sacral therapy even is. And I, um, <laughs> up to that point, I prided myself on never, like I was pretty strong. I didn't cry over little things. It took a lot for me to cry about something. And as soon as she started talking to me, I got so emotional and I just cried and sobbed and sobbed to this woman I, I didn't really know. And she told me the origination of my pain um, for each different symptom. And I just thought, holy cow, somebody that actually understands me, like she knows nothing about my history, nothing about me, but she knows these emotions that I'm feeling. And she how does she know these things without knowing me? But it makes total sense to me. These emotions make sense. And it felt so validating to me to know that someone could understand how I was feeling. And so that began my kind of 
intrigue into the energy world about how our emotions play a huge role in, in, in our pain and how each physical manifestation that we have is because of our emotions that we've been suppressing. And so then I was, I was hooked and I, I started this journey into understanding the emotions and how they played a, a role so hugely in our repression and how we don't want to feel things. And, and we just push them down, push them down, push them down. And I was a huge stuffer. I just didn't want to be that person that was the negative person, you know, and I, and I wanted to be the happy person. And so it was just easier for me to pretend like things didn't happen and keep plowing forward with my type A personality, you know, and, um, that was, that was easier for me than to feel an emotion because as a little girl, I was told quit crying, quit crying, quit being emotional. And so that just became, I needed to please my mom. And so I would stop crying. And so I'd stop feeling and, um, and then I just became this huge repressor of emotion just to plow through and just put my head down and keep going through life. Wow. Um, what's, uh, how did you, so what were some of the other techniques or, or, um, mm -hmm influences that that also opened you up or did you just work with uh, yeah i know you didn't but what else what else um how else did you dig in so in 2015 uh billy and i were at a conference in vegas for his work and i'd often go i was always interested in the health uh sessions that they had and i there was a doctor speaking about health and, and stress and how stress plays such a huge role in our pain um, and how we can manifest pain through because of stress. And so he, I can't remember who, what his name was. That is going to kill me till the day I die. I cannot remember who he was, but I remember going out and sitting by the pool and being like, okay, I'm going to order this guy's book. Like this makes a lot of sense. And at the time, my husband Billy, who you've heard his story about having ankylosing spondylitis. And he was so miserable. Just, it was so hard for me to watch because I was dealing with my own health things and, and watching him not be able to parent and function. And our kids are like, what's wrong with dad? What, what's wrong with you? They, they just felt like, man, or what's wrong with our parents? Why can't they be emotionally available? Cause we're dealing with our own things, you know, what, um, so I got looking at, on Amazon and all these books started coming up and Dr. Sarno's book, Healing Back Pain came, came up and I clicked on it and started reading all the reviews, thousands of reviews on that book. And I thought you, I feel very strongly that this is something I need to order and have Billy read. So I did, I ordered it and I said, I don't know what this book is about. It has a million reviews about how people have healed from their pain and um, you should read it <laughs> because we have tried every avenue for you and, you know, what's one, give it the best shot, you know? So he read it and he's like, this makes a lot of sense. He's like, and actually this is not just about back pain. This is a lot of, about a lot of other physical pains. And, and it talks about chronic fatigue. It talks about fibromyalgia. It talks about, uh, hypothyroidism, all these things that you have migraines. Um, he's like, this is all the same thing, Heather, you can, that you need to read this book too. So I read the book and I, 
I was just blown away at how much your personality traits can make you more susceptible to pain because of the pressure that you put on yourself to be who you're supposed to be, who you, you've been told you need to be in, in our, in our culture. Um, and so I read all of Dr. Sarno's books and then Steve Ozanich was another, uh, big one. He, he, he had worked, uh, through the doc, Dr. Sarno way. And, and we had spoken with him several times on, on zoom. And, um, I really appreciated Steve's input and a lot of the things he said made sense. I read all his books. I mean, I was just soaking in all of this TMS mind body connection, uh, way and it just made complete sense to me because for one time in my life, I was understanding the root cause of something and not just trying to put a bandaid on it, trying to take a medication, go in for a surgery and try another pill, you know, and try another doctor. And I was just tired of running that, that loop of let's try something else. Let's try something else. I wanted to figure out why it started, not how to just make the symptom go away. Right. So at this point, when you were um, researching Dr. Sarno and Steve Ozenich, would were you still experiencing symptoms? Actually, my symptoms went away pretty dang quick once I read the Dr. Sarno book. But probably within three months, I was completely off of medication. All of those medications I was taking completely off. Okay. Um, wow. It was very quick for me because oh. I... I felt heard for once. I felt understood for once from an emotional perspective. I feel like a lot of women in general, it's very, it's very different. Men want science. They want to know, you know, how does this work? I mean, give me, give me the science behind it. I want to understand it. And women, they don't really need a whole lot of science depending on their personality. Women just want someone to understand and listen and, and be understood about what's going on and what happened in their life and things like that. Wow. So, um, through reading these books, you're saying that you felt heard and understood yet it, it was just through reading. So was it you that gave yourself the understanding? Absolutely. Um, what can you like try to pinpoint or go into the switch for you? Like if you could go back and be like, this is where it just clicked and what it, what it was, was it a feeling or was it an understanding where in the Dr. Sarno's like, what was it for you personally? And I know everyone's different, but. I, I don't know. I think it started before I read any Dr. Sarno or Steve Ozanich books. I think it originated when I went to that craniosacral therapy and she said, and I said, I have all of these symptoms and I have all these pains, you know, and she said, we have these seven energy centers in our body, you know, from our, from our crown of our head all the way down to our, our root chakra is what your, your sacral area, you know? And all of these energy centers are, are spinning balls of light, you know, of energy. And 
So for each one, so my throat chakra was, was blocked. And so she said, when your throat chakra is blocked, you have, um, throat problems, you have, um, strep throat, you chronic strep throat, you have, um, hypothyroidism, you have, uh, hyperthyroidism. Um, and it's because you're not speaking your truth and, or it's not when, when, when you speak, you feel like no one's listening. And I felt, I felt that, you know, that, that made sense to me. And she said, you know, the emotion for migraines, which I had a lot of, um, is you're not looking forward to something. And so I started correlating all of these different things. I mean, and, and then you really get into it. And this is where I, um, I can speak to a lot of different things. You know, when people have eye pain, they're not seeing the good in themselves. They're not seeing the good in others. When they have ear pain, they don't like what they're hearing. When you have hand pain or arthritis in your hands or carpal tunnel, it's the giving and the receiving you're, you feel like you're always giving, but you're, you're never getting anything back. When you have leg problems, foot problems, you have a fear of moving forward in life. When you have stomach problems, gut problems, um, you're rejecting, um, whatever is happening, life circumstances. Um, it's hard to digest. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to, um, you're rejecting what, what's happening. Um, female, female pain. A lot of women have female pain. Um, and, and most of the 99% of the time with all of the women I've worked with who have female pain or chronic UTIs, it's always, they've had a, a sexual abuse. They've had, um, a problem or relationship problem with their mom, or they have, um, let's see, what am I missing relationship with their mom, sexual abuse, or they've been in a, in a relationship that's not been trustworthy. And Mm. I mean, I could go on and on and on with every, every symptom you can think of and the emotion associated with it. And I can tell you it is a hundred percent accurate with everything. Wow. What, what, what is the roots of this knowledge? Did you get to that? Where did it come from? Is it an Eastern thing? Where, yeah, where? It, it, it's an Eastern thing. It's, it's all to do with the chakra, the energy systems in the body. Right. Um, Louise Hayes talks about it. Um, Carol Truman talks about it in, in their books. Um, and, and it's just, it's common knowledge. If you want to know the emotion associated, look up the, the chakra, the origination of the chakra and, and it's always accurate. Wow. And so for you, simply the knowledge of feel of being heard and understanding it shifted everything for you. For sure. Wow. So I, I guess that goes to one of my first questions and you, you touched on it, the mm-hmm. difference that you've noticed between men and women. And I mean, what, what an incredible person you are in a unique position, having been married to Billy, mm-hmm. who suffered with the ankylosing spondylitis for years, and then you also having your own experience, and then also your experience as a coach working with lots of people. So, yeah. I mean, because for me, when you say that, I'm immediately going to how, like, what was it about this or that? And then I'm, I'm caught, I've caught myself and perhaps I process things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... Uh, what was your bird's eye view with, with Billy? Is that a valid thing to go through? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, or, or your experience working with men, uh, coaching them. Yeah. So, I mean, 
when Billy was going through everything he went through, first of all, when he was diagnosed as diagnosed with, with AS, um, he kind of got on all the Facebook groups, you know, and, um, he went down this at first it was just, you know, the back pain and it would wake him up in the middle of the night, or it'd just be hurting him all day long. And he ended up having to take off time from work. And it just got to a point where life was unbearable. You know, he had suicidal thoughts, um, which was really hard for me as his wife to understand how bad that pain was for him. And to know that I was completely helpless to help him. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else new gadget or contraption he was going to buy next. Cause he was just desperate, you know, to buy, to buy anything. We switched mattresses. I can't even tell you how many times, <laughs> you know, it was just so frustrating. We bought this huge massage chair. He bought this like magnetic little wand and I'm just like, Oh my goodness. And he's like, I am, I am desperate to be out of this. And, um, but I think for him really diving into his past, he had a traumatic upbringing and, um, he went through hard things with, he lost his brother to suicide. He, um, went through a divorce and, um, just traumatic things in in that way that he, he didn't want to deal with. And he kind of just kept plowing through life, you know, like, I'm okay. I'm tough. I'm going to keep moving forward. And, and eventually it's all going to catch up to you because, they, these Trump, these traumatic events in life are like a pressure cooker. They'll build and build and build. And it doesn't have to be one specific thing. It doesn't have to be one specific event. It can be just a, a snowball effect of a, of a thousand different things that just eventually you have got to learn to release that valve on your pressure cooker or you will explode. And that explosion comes out in pain and AS and migraines and um, hip pain and knee pain and anything that fit manifests physically is because it is your boiling point. So right. in working with Billy, I mean, I, I was like fixed and I was off my medication very quickly. Whereas he was like, yeah, but I have these diagnosis and the doctor says I have this, this blood factor, you know, and, and the doctor said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be having to give myself these shots and, and how do I trust that, that this is the right thing? And I can trust the mind body connection. And there just wasn't a lot of trust there. And he was always looking for a story of someone who had exactly what happened to him that got through it. And I'm just, I was just like, you are never going to find someone who is exactly like you. There's not a person on the planet that's going to be exactly like you. And for all of your listeners out there, if you are searching for a story that is exactly like you, quit wasting your time and start trusting yourself. That is the number one thing. Um, You can find a million stories on recovery, um, TMS Wiki. uh, Thank you, Dr. Sarno. Steve Ozanich has a wall of recovery. There are thousands of stories, but you're not going to find one exactly like you. If you do, it's a miracle everybody's different. Everyone has their own upbringing. Everybody has their own conditions and pains. And, and just because you have AS doesn't mean you have exactly the same pain in the same spot and you are on the same medication and have, I don't know, it's just so many different factors and everyone's so different. So you cannot rely on that. And, and men tend to gravitate towards, show me, show me the recovery story. Show me the, the science behind why this is happening. And Help me to understand it. Help me to fix it. Men are very much 
women want to talk about things and men just want to tell the women how to fix it. Right. That's just, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's how we're wired. And, and so approaching a man versus a woman is, is very different women. They want to talk and, and once they kind of get things off their chest, it opens up a lot of clarity for them. Men, they're like, Oh, I don't want to be vulnerable. Like that's not how I was raised. I don't want to go down that path. Just show me the science and let me figure it out myself. Wow. Okay. Um, let's dive in. I have a whole bunch of questions yeah. and uh, mainly about your, your coaching uh, life and, and what things and what you've learned. So um, first, uh, second one, well, I want to get into, uh, Byron Katie okay, and her work, um, because I'm learning about it, uh, through, um, the transformational breath facilitators course that I'm involved in right now. Uh, what's your experience with it and why is it valid, um, with you and with people you've worked with? Okay. Byron Katie was foundational for me after I had been through the Steve Ozanich books. I felt like God, if you believe in God or your higher power led me to each thing that I have learned. I felt like he's always bringing me things when I'm ready for him. Um, and Byron Katie's book was one of them. I, I was always searching on Amazon mind body things, you know, and her book came up and I thought, well, I don't know what this is about, but I'm going to order it. So it came and I started going through her process and her process is, I believe this. I mean, you could come up with anything. I believe, um, I'm not good enough. And her process is, is that true? Uh, well, I don't know. Can you possibly know it's true? No. Who would you be without that belief? You know, I would be free without that belief. And, and so can you turn that, that thought around that thought around turning that thought around is I am good enough, you know, and, and can you find evidence to support that? And so instead of looking for evidence to support the, these beliefs that we've created for ourselves since we were children, um, we start questioning those beliefs, you know, and, and with the mind body connection with, with the coaching through the pain, I start, um, questioning my clients beliefs around maybe something that's hard in their life, a stress factor, or maybe it's even their pain. Um, and it's like wiggling a loose tooth. At first it's like, well, maybe I could find some doubts about it. Maybe I, maybe I can question it a little bit, but eventually you're going to create an awareness around that belief and you're going to start finding evidence to support the opposing thought. And eventually you're, you're going to get rid of that old belief and you're going to create a new one. And, and th that creating the new belief is so foundational because it's creating new neural pathways in your brain and getting rid of those old neural pathways that you've been so inclined to believe just like you wake up, I'm going to have back pain. That's the, your first thought. Where do I, where does it hurt? You know, how long is it going to hurt? When is the pain coming back? And our neural pathways are so ingrained in that. And so when you can start having a little bit of a question about, Hmm, my pain didn't come on till later in the day. And maybe I can trust the morning, you know? And so just creating that little bit of question, that doubt, 
about these beliefs that we've created for ourselves, it creates so much freedom for us. Wow. So a system is a system of asking questions mm-hmm. and interacting with um, uh, ourselves or our minds. Mm-hmm. And okay, that sounds that sounds amazing. And so just by trusting the process, doing it, being consistent with it mm-hmm. and following it, it reveals itself over time. So it's a self, you say a self-healing technique. Uh-huh. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it's been huge. I can't tell you how many clients will email me and they'll be like, this is so huge for me. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how much freedom this is creating in my thoughts. And I can't believe the beliefs that I used to have. And it, it's laughable that I used to believe these things so strongly. When you're working with people, how do you identify um, the tools that you've learned? Uh, which ones will work for uh, certain people? Because what I've noticed through working with people, um, and I'm beginning to do so, so this is new to me, but what I've noticed is that uh, some people are just not responding to certain things that I'm offering. Yeah. And so, yeah, how do you, how do you find like, oh, what, what is the entryway with this specific individual? Or is that very uh, in intuition? Like, is, are you using your intuition mainly? Yeah, definitely. Mostly intuition, because like I said, each person that comes to me is going to have a different set of challenges, a different set of upbringing and traumas. And so it really boils down to what is my gut instinct for, for what they need the most. However, with that being said, I do have like certain tools that I always begin with um, just to kind of open up a window for them to see something a little differently. Um, and and that, that window is their belief system, challenging, challenging their belief system. What, what, um, what book or what inspiration did you get those foundational entryways? Like what, what is that work? Um, if you're willing to disclose, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of made it up a little bit. Um, I kind of made my own set of tool bag, if, if you would, um, from different things, like a little bit of Dr. Sarno, a little bit of Steve, a little bit of, um, Byron Katie, um, Martha Beck was huge. Um, I, I did my coaching through her Wayfinder program. Um, she really was huge inspiration into understanding the true self. And so I feel like her books, um, finding your North star, um, is a big, is a big one. Um, because here's the, here's the thing, our foundation of why we have pain is because we're not being true to ourselves is because deep down we don't want to do that thing anymore. We don't want to be that person anymore. We're sick and tired of being told who to be and how hard to work and who we have to please. And if we can start saying hell no to things that we really want to say hell no to, instead of being a people pleaser and trying to be the good mom or the, the good dad or the good uh, spouse, whatever. And just saying that actually doesn't do me that does nothing for me. I really don't want to be that person anymore. And, and really stay sticking in, in your integrity and saying no and standing up for yourself. It, 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 there's so much freedom there. It, it's scary at first, but it really is so foundational to be true to yourself. 
So you help guide people to understand who they are and, and what it is that they've been trying to express or. Yes. And you do this by talking to them, listening to what their language or the way they speak or mm -hmm. using your intuition and, and then pulling or in, encouraging that part of them to come out and to start believing into that and nurturing it. Yep. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. Um, have you ever worked with someone or some people where you can see, or you have an intuition of what that may be in that person and you're doing your best to, um, guide them in a way that they can discover it for themselves. And you can sense that even they intellectually get it. They intellectually understand, yes, I do need to speak up to my partner or boss, or I do need, like, I've always wanted to do X, Y, and Z, but I've never allowed myself because of these beliefs. Mm -hmm. And even when they know intellectually and you know, what do you do? What does this person do? What have you seen in a person that's gone over, gone, gotten over that when they themselves felt so overcome by the fear of their, you know, ingrained beliefs or trauma or whatever it is that's so scary for them mm -hmm. to get out of their shell. Mm -hmm. What have you seen in that, in that world, maybe with yourself, maybe with someone you've worked with? Yeah. So, I mean, it all boils down to fear at that point, right? Because we're so afraid to try something new or so afraid to cross that, that bridge, that river of pain that we've been trying to cross for so long. And what it boils down to is really asking them what or why they're afraid of, of that specific thing. And, and um, I mean, it all boils down back down to the work of Byron Katie. I mean, do you believe that that belief is true? And, can you absolutely know it's true and who would you be without it? And can we search for evidence to support the opposing thought? And there's always a, a bunch of evidence for both, but it's what you choose to focus on. Do you want to focus on the scary stuff or do you want to focus on the possibility of there being another option? Hmm. Amazing. Um, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, one thing, huge part of me getting better was facing uncomfortable um, feelings. Um, feeling them, allowing myself to just feel them and mm -hmm. getting better at feeling. Um, and something that I encourage everyone to do that I work with. And I love talking about it because for me, it's been massive. Um, what, oh, what, when you work with someone, how much of these feelings coming, coming up and just simply feeling them, allowing them to just be there. Um, do you feel that that's uh, a big part of someone getting better, feeling for better? Sure. For sure. I mean, we're, we're so, our culture is so quick to look for a distraction. Um, we're always like on our phones, we have background music, we're listening to podcasts just to fill the, the quiet, you know, we're so uh, uncomfortable to just sit with ourselves in our, in our own thoughts. So many people have to have like the TV on to fall asleep or whatever it might be. It's just, everyone's so uncomfortable to just be quiet 
and just shut the phones off, you know, and to just have that quiet time. One, one huge, huge tool that um, I'll share with you is what I call an energy check. And I have my, my clients set, um, they go into their alarms, like you would wake, wake up with, you know, on their phone and they set three alarms, one in the morning, one midday and one in the evening. And I want them to, to ch choose those times that, um, so for me, I, I have my energy checks. I have one um, at 830 in the morning, once my husband and my kids are out the door, you know, and I have a little bit of quiet time for myself. I have my next one at one o'clock midday, just kind of snaps me back into reality. And I have one at 7 PM after kind of the crazy homework and kids running here and there is kind of over with, and we can settle down and I can recenter myself. So these alarms will go off and I have all of my clients set these up around probably like the second or third meeting. And I, um, I just have them, um, have them on repeat and it's every single day. Um, and it goes off. And the first thing they do is they stop what they're doing and put your hand on your heart and you take a deep breath and you say, where am I at right now? Am I ruminating about something? Am I thinking about something? Am I angry about something? Like, where am I at on a scale of one to 10, zero being, you know, calm and cool and collected 10 being a completely anxiety attack, you know, where am I at? Give myself a number. And if I'm at a six, how can I get to a five? I'm not asking them for, to come from a six all the way down to a zero. Just come down one number, take some deep breaths and say, I am right here right now. There's not one thing I have to do or worry about right now. And just come back to the breath, come back to the breath, breathe in and breathe out and say, I am safe. I am, I am enough whatever those affirmations are that you need to hear. Um, and a lot of times I'll have my clients go and look at themselves in the mirror, go in the bathroom, turn the light and look yourself in the eyes because a lot of us are afraid to look at ourselves in the eyes. And, and it creates this confidence and this stillness that a lot of people aren't familiar with. It's very uncomfortable for a lot of people to begin this practice. Um, but it does snap you out of, that rumination that you have throughout the day and the constant worry and whatever it might be, the fear. Um, and when I first started doing this for myself, <laughs> it took me a long time to get my heart rate to come down. Cause a lot of times it was elevated, which spiked your cortisol spike throughout the day. And you don't know it, which, um, has the, all those elevated chemicals, the fight or flight, you know, and when it's stuck in overdrive, just by thought alone, that's your constant state. And so these energy checks are bringing you back and, and calming down your heart rate, calming down that fight or flight, helping your body to remember how to feel safe and to bring your body back to homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And that's what your body craves is that homeostasis. Um, and I've had, you know, Billy, he's, he's done it a little bit. My daughter, Carly, she, she does it. I mean, all of my clients use this energy check tool to check in. Um, I came to a place where my alarm would go off and I'd be like, Oh, I'm good. Like I can keep going throughout my day. And other times I'll be folding laundry, angry, and my alarm will go off. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like <laughs> I needed that check-in, um, to, to bring things back to, to homeostasis because we we're just so busy with our thoughts that we just get carried away. And that flight or flight and that cortisol can wreak havoc on our our immune system, it wreaks havoc on 
our health and, and, you know, it, that all of that constant, um, elevated cortisol is going to be like a pressure cooker and explode at one point. If you don't bring it down, if you don't constantly check in and bring it back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, uh, just, it reminds me so much of, you know, what I've done in different ways and what I've heard so many other people, like whether it be through meditation or breath work or, or, um, asking questions, what, what I've learned is, is to love myself and give myself the attention or the, the love that basically self-parenting myself, like knowing that no one, no one else can, can give this to me, but myself, however, does take that practice that, putting it in the phone or having mm-hmm. that regimen, like I am sitting down at this hour, this hour, and this hour, and I'm doing this check-in, yeah, feeling my body, seeing where I'm at mm-hmm. and consciously changing things. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's go through some more of my questions here. Um, tell me, uh, I wanted to talk about um, you seeing I just want to get this out of the way. You see, as a, as a coach working with a bunch of people, your husband having ASU with a, a myriad of um, different symptoms. Do you see a difference <laughs> for the record in your experience between AS, um, rheumatoid ar- arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, um, all these other autoimmune conditions and say TMS or a mind-body syndrome? Would you categorize them? Across the board, yes, I would. Okay, right. So this is this is a massive revelation. Now, I'm pretty sure I would have already done it in the future, but I haven't done it yet, is title Peter's episode, AS is TMS. Yes. And I maybe I'll have all <laughs> your symptoms equals TMS because this is a massive revelation because all of a sudden, okay, now we know where to focus. Now we know what to learn, what to focus on. Mm-hmm. And so under that heading, working with someone like you, um, now we're addressing causality yeah. rather than Band-Aid, Band-Aid fixing. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the Feelings app. I, Billy mentioned it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find it. Um, I will ask you about that after and i'll put it in the show notes everyone i am determined to find this app for people um what are your thoughts on diet dieting i know a huge part of a lot of folks are in the no starch diet or you know um elimination dieting Mm -hmm. i went down that trap it was it was part of my journey and i and i value it i learned how to eat very well because of it Mm -hmm. however what are your, for me around healthy, good diet for me, lots of vegetables. That's just personally, yeah. but what are your thoughts on for the record, uh, dieting and dieting diet. <laughs> so I get asked this question a lot actually. And I'm telling you, Billy tried every diet there was out right. there. Oh, it drove <laughs> me freaking crazy. I'm like, oh my goodness, can you just trust, can you just trust the process? And he eventually did. And um, 
I mean, the man eats a bowl of chocolate chip ice, mint chocolate chip ice cream every night. So that's going to tell you right there. You don't need to eliminate anything. Um, he still has a beer, you know, and mint chocolate chip ice cream and he eats whatever the hell he wants. And um, he went through all that trying to just desperate, you know, to get rid of the pain through diet. And it just, it never did anything. Um, and it boils down to the emotion. You, you have to quit focusing on the physical. You, you cannot always be consumed with what do I need to change physically? It is not a physical thing. It is an emotional component that will get you over that hump and to the other side. If you refuse to go and, and address the emotion, you're always going to have a physical symptom. Right. So um, with that being said, I do think that our diet plays a huge role in the way we think and the way we think is dealing with emotion. Right. And so it's just like you give a kid a bunch of candy, they're going to act a little crazy. Right. <laughs> and it's the same way with us. If, if we are constantly feeding that, that sugar and we're riding the, the caffeine roller coaster, you know, um, our emotions are kind of going to be all over the place. And, and, and so when you can have a, a balanced diet and still have your, your treats here and there, you're going to be better for it. You're going to be much more emotionally regulated than you would just eating willy nilly, whatever you want, or just being so restrictive because guess what? Restriction creates your cortisol response because when you're always telling yourself, I can't have that, I can't have that. It's creating rage inside your body and just this, this battle with the ego, right? And that's not good either. So you have got to learn to moderate food consumption and quit being so hard on yourself. If you, if you're putting so much pressure to eat perfectly, right? You, yeah. A lot of people need to tap into that intuitive eating. You know, what does my, what, what sounds good to me? We we're always like, we're supposed to have this in the morning. We're supposed to have this. We're supposed to eat this many meals, you know, and we're always our diet culture is always telling us we need to eat keto. We need to eat, um, whole foods. We need to eat whatever, you know, and it's, where no one's listening to their body, a little kid, a two-year-old's going to say, I want a popsicle or, or I, I want carrots. You know, you never know what they're going to want, but they're listening to their intuition and, and whatever sounds good is what they're going to say. And your body will be able to tell you if you really listen. Absolutely. That, that was, that was massive for me. I, I think I, I think I, I, uh, suffered? No, I struggled. I, it was a challenge for me. Um, I, I think I had an eating disorder for for many years mm -hmm. because I, I never even thought about food in my early twenties. I just ate. I ate whenever I wanted and whatever I wanted. And I mean, that's common for people in their twenties. But absolutely. all of a sudden, when pardon me, I said absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no worries there at all. And then I went through a massive period, probably a decade of trying to fix and monitoring and. A lot of stress, a lot of stress there and a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I, I'm, I guess relearning, relearning what to be a lot more intuitive mm -hmm. uh, with my own body. And that has been serving me to a great deal. Yes. 
you know, and for me, I, I love a lot of vegetables, but I also love chocolate ice cream, plain chocolate. I don't <laughs> want the mint in it, just dark chocolate. That's my favorite thing of all time and dates. Um, on watching, oh yeah, let's talk about mental dieting. If uh, that's the right term for it. For me, this has been helpful. Um, and I think it's going to come down to kind of similar to what you just said about eating food, but mm -hmm. about what we take in mentally and expose ourselves to like, say I have a habit of soothing by watching movies late at night and mm -hmm. often maybe violent action, sort of hard drama, thriller stuff, or watching the news every day or something like that. How does this affect in your opinion, clients, people you've worked with, what would you talk to about someone about that? What have you, what's worked for you? What are your views on all the media that's out there for us to consume yeah. and including healing modal modalities and the myriad of, of groups and stuff like that. Some are great. And it's like, do we obsess over it or it's a balance, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say when you're watching whatever you're watching or whenever you're consuming, whatever you're consuming, how does it make you feel inside when you're watching it? give you anxiety is your heart rate are you are you breathing regularly are you holding your breath um does it make you feel like crap does it make you feel enlightened how is this how are these things making you feel while you're consuming them and if it makes you feel like crap get rid of it if it makes you feel um whole and connected and and your cortisol is not raised then i would say keep consuming it and that's what it boils down to wow okay what a great, elegant, simple, um, concise answer. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, how would you relate that to relationships? Relationships are, are a very tough thing. And that's the number one factor and, all of my clients have. And right. And so I, I want to ask this specific question around it. Um, how do we know when we're in a relationship and uncomfortable feelings keep coming up, say triggers. Mm -hmm. Is this stuff that this relationship is teaching us to integrate? And so, yes, it's a stressful situation. However, is it giving us an opportunity to integrate these feelings and face them? Mm -hmm. And then how do we know when maybe we are in fact consuming something that isn't right for us? How do we know? <laughs> Well, it's hard, right? Because we have family members so you can't just be like, and we're done. Um, it, it's a very, very touchy thing. And it's, it's very hard. And I'm, like I said, it's the hardest. I, I do a, what I call a wellness score with all my clients. When I do their discovery meeting, I get to know them at a very deep basis. Um, and I kind of grade them. And one of the factors is relationships. Um, and that could be with your parents, it could be your siblings, it could be your spouse, your children, your, your coworkers, your friends, um, anybody you interact with. Um, I really get to know those relationships with, with my clients and um, it's everyone's so different, but it boils down to their, that person in their life is always a teacher. Um, and it's, it can be for, for, it's always for growth. So you always have to have a look at a relationship as this is teaching me something. This is helping me to grow either 
this relationship is going to be for a season or it's going to be for always. And, and that really boils down to your own discretion, but, um, it's such a, it's such a hard thing because it's hard to end a relationship. Um, but you really have to stick in your integrity. Is this relationship serving me? Um, and if, and how much, how much effort am I putting into this relationship? Um, and am I, what am I learning? And, um, it's everybody's so different. And so I can't say it's just a cut and dry thing. And there's a ton of gray area with it. Um, but it really boils down to intuition um, and, and letting that person be a teacher in, in your life and say, okay, what is this person trying to teach me? This relationship is difficult. It's hard. Um, are they teaching me patience? Are they teaching me compassion? Are they teaching me, I mean, um, empathy? It really boils down to what you're willing to look at, what you're willing to focus on, on in that relationship. And, and vice versa, how much, um, is that person giving back to you? Because like I said, a lot of people have hand pain, carpal tunnel, um, arthritis when, when the giving and the receiving is off balance. Um, so I, I don't know, that's not a very good answer, but. Well, I think it is, it is, it, uh, I mean, it's, it is, it is hard and it, it's, a, it's massive challenge in our lives and anyone listening to this on earth would agree relationships are extremely challenging and so individual mm-hmm. and um well one thing i'm learning uh through michael brown i always talk about michael brown i'm a big michael brown geek and um <laughs> he's a bit of a hero um and uh he talks about um in um relationship as intimacy and uh-huh. all relationships are are intimate in the nature that we're communicating um with ourselves in in a way you know, it's, uh, he calls it presence, always interacting with itself. And if we choose to, in the gap between us, um, is all physical things. And like you said before, physical things are, you know, are, are um, effects. They're mm-hmm. effects, they're not causal. And mm-hmm. when we're looking across and reaching across to the person at the counter, that is where we're we're meeting ourselves. That's where a mirror is. And mm-hmm. so, um, he says, uh, intimacy is, uh, in to me. See, Oh, I love that. We get to see, look into ourselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, look, it, it is, it is a challenging question, but I will always ask that question. I think until, until it's resolved yeah. perhaps well, within think- me and, and, and the rest of us. For sure. I think another big component of that is forgiveness. And a lot of people who have TMS or AS, um, they have some childhood trauma. Um, and oftentimes with, with their parents and not always, but I think looking at that, that person that you've had that trauma with, and maybe you're resentful towards them and, um, maybe you don't want to forgive them. You're angry. However, however you're feeling towards that person is to look and see how did that person get to where they are to treat me that way? What, what, what made that person become who they are? And when you can look at their childhood, when you can look at their upbringing, when you can look at their trauma, 
and offer them compassion for becoming the person they are, it opens up this huge window for us to not hold that anger and resentment towards them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing that I, I've um, been playing with is imagining, say, someone as a child, you know, like a parent or seeing them as a child. Mm-hmm. We all were a kid at one point. Um, is it necessary to exercise in order to feel better in your experience seeing people? Is that like a big part of um, your coaching practice? What's your views on it? Yeah. So um, another big tool I use is um, you're changing your state. And so your state equals your physiology, your language, and your focus. And so I often am telling my clients, I ask them, I check in, I say, what's your state? Where are you at? And so when you're in pain, a lot of people are, you know, they're laying on the couch or, you know, the floor or, you know, just trying to get comfortable. Their head's kind of down, their shoulders are slumped. They look real sad and gloom, you know, and what's the fastest way to, to change that, to put your shoulders back, you know, um, to put your chin up, to put a smile on your face, even if it's like super cheesy, fake it till you make it. Cause if I'm smiling, you're eventually going to smile, you know? Um, I do this with my kids a lot. Um, my daughter Kaya, she's 15 and she'll come home and she'll have a hard day with her friends. And she'll be like, I have a headache and I'll just start smiling at her and she'll be so annoyed with me. She'll be, she'll say, stop, you know, and I'll just like keep smiling and I'll kind of laugh at her. And eventually she'll start smiling and laughing back and that changes her state. And when we can smile, when we can laugh, when we can pull ourselves out of that cortisol response that we're stuck in, it, it, it literally changes the physiology in our body. It changes the chemical state of our body. And so changing your state is so big. And so, um, physiology can mean a lot of different things. It can be, you know, sit up, put your shoulders back, um, put your chin up, put a smile on your face, um, change, change rooms. If you're in your family room, go to your bedroom, go outside, go for a walk. Um, changing your physiology is so huge. Um, music is huge. Um, I have a lot of people create a playlist of uplifting music or something that pumps you up. that changes your physiology because when you have your favorite song on, it is very hard for you to be doom and gloom. It is very hard for you to look at all the negative you immediately change and you're looking, okay, it's sunny outside and I'm looking forward to something and I'm no longer in this, my world is ending and things are hard. And it, it, it literally changes the, the state of your body when you can change your physiology. A lot of people, I, I have them go for a daily walk, you know, and um, start appreciating things in the world and, and, and looking at the world around them. That changes your state. You're, it's just a huge thing. Moving your body, stretching is huge. Billy is very, very good about stretching every night. He knows that he has to change his state to be able to have a restful night of sleep because his mind is so busy. He's constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. And when he can calm it down by stretching at night, it's changing his state. It's lowering that cortisol response. So it can be simple stretching, but I also have to add in not being afraid to move, moving your body, your body needs to move. And when you can give it that trust that it's not going to fall apart and it's not going to be worse. Most people who have, a yes, they feel they they understand they feel better when they're moving, right? 
Um, and that that's because they're distracted from their thoughts. They're, they're looking at the half, the glass half full instead of empty when they're, when they're able to move their body. Wow. Okay. That was, that was really very helpful. Thank you so much. So yeah, for some people, maybe exercise is a part of that mm-hmm. and for others changing their state, moving. Yes. Changing the, yeah, they're there. That's extremely, extremely helpful. Thank you so much. I concur. That's mm-hmm. massive for me. That was huge. I used to listen to melancholy music all the time, mm-hmm. all the time constantly and um it would literally i literally would start taking on that role and playing that part Mm -hmm. and i'm no longer attracted to that um anymore and it's just like i think i've had had enough of that haven't had enough of feeling that way and Mm -hmm. it it truly is powerful and um we have the ability to to change it and using those tools Mm -hmm. and music is is huge but also our thoughts are huge because your body is always listening at a cellular cellular level And so everything you think, everything you speak, you say, I can't, it's hard. I don't want to, what if I should have, I I could, when you're always speaking in depreciating language, your body's like, oh, we can't, we won't, we, we don't want to, it's hard. It's always going to be hard. But when you can speak um, in, in language that's appreciating, I can, I'm going to try I'm getting a little better every day. When we can speak in that language, our body receives those messages in our cells of our body. And it says, okay, we're going to, we can do this. We can move forward and, and we're going to try. Right. And when you categorize that has also been a huge part of um, me getting better was changing my vocabulary and being aware of the power of the word Mm -hmm. uh, through uh, read, um, uh, Ruiz's, uh, the four agreements. That was a big mm-hmm. part of it. Being really aware of that. We'll go on to the next question. What is a commonality about people you work with? Is there one? Um, yes. <laughs> um, and it all bo- it boils down to the childhood. Um, so I, I'll ask you this. Who did you need love from more as a child, your mom or your dad? Um, whose love did you seek more? Uh, probably, probably my mom. Okay. Why? Uh, maybe, maybe it was my dad. Maybe it was my dad because I, I think I was trying to, I was always trying to be, I was always trying to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always trying to, uh, I was looking for self-worth, um, yet all I did was act out. So, uh, you know, failed at school, I was bad at school and um, vandalizing and kind of always um, making wrong choice. But I think that was me trying to get attention. Yeah. Um, from my, maybe my dad. Okay. And who did you need to be to get love from your dad? I needed to be a brat. Yeah. To get his attention. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A brat or I needed to be, um, a clown. I needed to be, um, oh, a, uh, I needed to disappear. I needed to run away. Interesting. 
So I'll share I this. You need to be independent. Yes. Okay. Those are all very interesting. Um, I've shared this several times, but um, this was a huge aha moment for me. Um, growing up, I always was seeking my mom's um, love because she she would work. Um, she she would be at home during the day when I was at school. And then she'd go to work in the evening. So my dad could be home with us. So we never had to have a babysitter. And so I, my, I was never around my mom. She did my hair in the morning. And then that's about the only time I saw my mom um, as a little girl. And so I was always seeking her, her love, her attention. She was tired, you know, because she was home from work. But every time I saw her, she was just kind of checked out, you know? And so I was always seeking her love and validation. And as I got older, I kind of, um, started to understand what my mom needed from me or what I had, to, who I had to be to get love from my mom. I was the oldest of five children. So I was always having to help take care of my siblings. Um, helping her keep the house. My mom was very perfectionistic, keep it perfectly clean. Um, and nothing out of order. And so I developed these super OCD tendencies of, you know, vacuuming every day, making sure everything's spotless, everything's in its place. All of the kids are taken care of and, and, you know, managed and quiet, you know, and um, so that my mom would be happy because when my mom was happy, of course, we're happy. Right. And so I, I took this, these natural tendencies that I developed to get love from my mom and I instilled them in my own family as an adult. And so I, I remember Billy and I'd only been married a few years and I'm vacuuming like every day. And, and he would get frustrated. He's like, if you vacuum every day, you're going to break the vacuum. It's going to burn out like quicker. And I just thought I'm vacuuming for you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't need you to vacuum every day. And I was just like, you don't like, that was such a weird concept to me of why, why am I doing this? If, cause if he doesn't care, then why, why do I care? but I was still trying to fulfill that childhood role of pleasing my mom. And she's not even here. She doesn't even live at my house, but I'm still trying to please her. And so I really started thinking about this and I kind of stopped vacuuming so much, <laughs> but it was still very hard for me to quit this habit that I've been keeping up for so long of these OCD tendencies. Everything has to be perfect and put in its place. And, you know, not one thing out of order. And I, the house has to be clean before I can have any fun. And, um, I started looking at Billy. I'm like, who did he have to be? Who, who was he trying to please? And he was, he always got, uh, adoration from his parents for his success. You know, he was a, a, a jockey. He got really good grades as a kid. Um, very smart, studious person, you know? And, and so the more accolades he got, the more attention he got from his, from his parents. And so he brings that to our marriage and he's like, look at, I'm the number one, this, and then the number one, that, and I'm just like, I'm happy for you, but like, that means nothing for me. And he, and I'm like, look at your clean house. Look how clean it is. And he's like, that doesn't mean anything for me, you know? So we bring these things into our marriage that we're still trying to please our parents. And so I always ask my clients, what are you still doing now that's causing cortisol because you're still trying to get love from your parents that's uh, yeah, I think I just had a bit of a revelation there. And thank you very much. Because I can see how um, me acting out 
in my relationship with my girlfriend probably comes out of unconsciously, of course, um, like for the longest time, you know, I kept on forgetting to do things, you know, and just not not doing things that if I wasn't in the relationship, I, I could have sworn that I would would have done those things. But maybe. You know, maybe it was just being with her brought the attention on, oh, my gosh, I'm not doing these things. But I think the revelation that I I had is that it, the big one is um, in terms of abandonment and commitment. Mm-hmm. And I have always um, wanted to flee from a relationship um, because I, I believe that that is my unconscious definition of love is abandonment. And that is how I love. Yes. And um, and I, and I see how I do that um, with my girlfriend when we're having a hard time, say I will retreat, mm-hmm. um, retreat my love, withhold, mm-hmm. withhold. And that would be, that'd be the way I'm trying to love her. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Did your yeah. dad retreat his love from you? Um, I, I, maybe from my perception, um, but he, you know, he was like, I think like your mom, he was busy all the time. He was working mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So that was your perceived trauma. Yeah. From your dad. Yeah. And that's what you've carried through your adult life. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. That's what um, Michael Brown talks about um, in his book, The Presence Process, being your unconscious definition of love. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like a, even just a, a felt, a felt resonance. And he describes it as, say, that feeling will come up when a relationship sours mm-hmm. or when it ends. Mm-hmm. And what is that feeling? Because that's what we're unconsciously trying to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, does that translate to the to the vacuuming and the good grades that Billy was doing and you were doing trying to please? Yeah, like it's it, like a, a feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just constantly having to be validated to feel your parents love. Right. Right. That's so interesting. And then and then you be able to have you stop have, have you um, not vacuumed as much? <laughs> I have been better. Um, I have two golden retrievers, so okay, right. that, it's, that's a different issue. That's if a I lot didn't, of hair. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what what a beautiful relationship you and Billy have. My my gosh, like all relationships are beautiful, but you know, this, it's interesting to learn about uh, yours, the both of you. You're both aware of what you're doing, and you're growing together. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's been a journey. Um, yeah, total journey. My girlfriend and I are on the beginning of our journey. We've been together three years. So awesome. yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And uh, we're, we're discovering, discovering what we are here to discover. <laughs> yes. Does proper sleep play a part in your coaching? Yes, I would, I would liken that just to how we spoke about nutrition. I mean, when you don't get enough sleep, it's hard for you to focus. It's hard for you to, um, I mean, the frustration of not getting enough sleep raises your cortisol as is, right? And when you aren't able to get to sleep, when you're tired, that raises your cortisol because it creates all of this rage. It's, it's just unconscious rage when we're not getting enough and, and the lack of it. I mean, there's been so many studies on lack of sleep and the health detriments to, to what it does to your health, you know? And so 
yes, I'm a big supporter of sleep. Sleep is actually in my wellness score that I categorize for people. Um, I recommend at least seven hours of sleep per night. Um, and I know a lot of people who have pain, they can't sleep, you know, cause they're afraid, you know, and so they spend a lot of time in fear mm. and when is the pain coming back and how long is it going to last? And how can I get comfortable? And I know Billy has spent a lot of time himself, um, with insomnia and we worked through that more than once. And, um, it's a hard thing when, when your mind is so busy and you can't shut it down, but 99% of the time when you can't shut your mind down because of the thoughts you're thinking, it's because of an ego, um, problem. It's because you're worried about how people are perceiving you or, you know, whatever those thoughts may be, it all boils down to people's perception of you and, and what you can do about it and you people pleasing and, and doing things the right way. It's all of those personality traits that people, um, who have TMS have trouble sleeping as well because Mm. of the same personality traits. Right. And, and what about addiction, um, and sleep say, this is something I used to do was uh, I'd stay up really late um, because I'd be avoiding the next day. Mm-hmm. That was a habit. I'd be, I wouldn't want to face my life the next day. And at night it felt, I, I was able to soothe myself with uh, drugs and alcohol and watching too much TV and whatever it was I would do late at night. I'd be okay at that time. But when it came to facing my life, that was one of the hardest things I, I could I could do. I've heard this recently. Um, what personality trait? What? What? Um, where? What would be your entry way in there? Well, drugs and alcohol are coping mechanism, right? And so it's all about the choices we make to cope. Uh, oftentimes, people who. Um, who their coping mechanism is drugs and alcohol have had a high ACE score, adverse childhood experience. Um, and if you haven't read uh, that book, adverse childhood experiences, oh, who was it by? Um, Nadine, Billy mentioned it. Billy yeah, mentioned it. Yeah. Nadine Burke Harris. Yeah. That's a huge, huge book. What is it called? Sorry. Um, adverse childhood experiences. Okay. ACEs, A-C-E-S. Okay. And it's by Nadine Burke Harris. Um, she is the, um, general, what's it called? California, I can't remember, general, surgeon general of California. Um, she wrote a book all about her experience um, working with people in poverty with, with ACEs in, in a certain suburb of California and how um, people who have had um, these maybe like top 10 adverse childhood experiences would be physical neglect, uh, physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, uh, divorced parents, incarcerated parents, um, parent, parental separation, parental substance abuse. I mean, those are just to name a few, but the more of those that you have, the higher the ACE score you have, the more susceptible you are to pain, to, um, to addiction, um, things of that nature. And the, the shorter life uh, span you have. And the only way to curb those things is to have nurturing. Either you had like a nurturing 
other parent that wasn't having those problems, or you had maybe a grandma or an aunt or a coach or someone who was able to nurture you and make you feel safe in your environment as a kid. And if you have those, a nurturing person in your life um, with, with the high A score, the only way to counteract that is to nurture yourself. And that's what this TMS work boils down to is being able to nurture yourself and say, I am safe. I'm okay. No one's going to hurt me. No one's going to leave me. I'm not going to be alone. You know, um, it, it's questioning all those fears once, once again, you know, doing the work. Um, and, and I think when we can question those fears and, and wiggle those like a loose tooth, um, no longer have those fears, then it opens up this window for us to feel safe. And then we don't need those addictions. We don't need those medications. We don't need whatever coping tool you might be using anymore. Right. Thank you. Um, would you say that bringing, um, awareness and presence to all these issues is maybe, maybe the, uh, the, the greatest, the greatest yes. thing we can do is just like being aware of them. So by reading these books, talking to someone like you, being able to have those aha moments, those little moments that I like the one I had uh, with you, you pointed out the revelation I had about just seeing my upbringing and the way it, it interacts and plays out in my adult life with my girlfriend and my parents, my family at, at work. Um, there's a degree of awareness. I'm now aware and I'm watching. Yeah. Would you because say it only, that? It only takes one or two times for that to, to be like, oh, I'm doing that thing again. I'm doing that thing again. And then you're like, why am I doing that thing? And what made me begin to do that thing? Then it creates all these questions. And then you really get to the root of what is causing you to do that thing. And, and when you can figure it out and and be aware of it, then it, it no longer has a purpose. Right, right. It's right. It's, uh, it's been fulfilled. It's been integrated. It's mm -hmm. right. But uh, that's what I think is so fascinating to me about uh, mind body healing and why I believe it's, it's, it's just such a massive gift and why I, I look at AS as a massive gift and, and AS is TMS and TMS is pain and discomfort and unconsciousness. And to me, being able to grow up in this way, it, it's a gift, truly a gift because I, I see it as training wheels. This pain and discomfort was training wheels for me to grow up and it really has. And when I allow it to guide me and nudge me and push me in, in, in directions and Sort of like just carry me, you know, I'm learning to love myself. I'm learning to be that parent for myself, you know, and it's odd because we look at our parents and we go, you know, uh, I used to maybe blame them for, you know, this or that. But the truth is that they were a child. Mm -hmm. They were a kid. They're just looking for love. They're just doing their best. It is me. I'm not a victim because of them. And in fact, I won the lottery being born into that family the truth is i you know they're wonderful loving people i'm so grateful for them um but the truth is i am learning to give my be my own parent mm -hmm. and um that's that's a great gift 
Yes, it is. Um, empowering. Right. What'd you say? Very empowering. Very empowering. Yeah. I'm not the victim anymore. Yeah. You know? Yep. You became a conscious creator. Right. You no longer see yourself as a victim. Right. Yeah. That was huge for me because for the longest time I felt so lost. I felt so, um, uh, so a, a victim to uncertainty yes. and confused, massively mm -hmm. confused. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, can anyone get better? Yes. 100%. Is there a difference between those? No, I don't want to ask that question. Uh, why? Is this a valid question? Why do some people take longer than others? Is that even valid? I just oh, want to. Yeah. What's, what's that? Oh, yes. Okay. I, I want to come back to that question. And that's the last question I have. Um, okay. I just want to reiterate um, that. For me, working one on one with someone was massive. It really gave me the belief. Uh, it helped me to see and have someone uh, bring into focus things that maybe I wasn't able to see. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did interview one guy from Mexico, Jose. He's also one of my heroes. Uh -huh. um, this guy, he just listened to Peter, Will, uh, Peter Winslow, some other mind body uh, coaches. Just uh -huh. listen. He got better. Wow. You know, he just so started awesome. playing soccer again or football and uh, just started enjoying his life. And That's he had cool. AS and just got better. And so mm -hmm. to me, I'm like, wow, like what an, what an elegant intelligence. I'm not to idolize him or anything, but I just, I just want, I want to point that out because I do promote coaching because it was so great for me. And obviously you have been able to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You asked for help and it opened your eyes and helped you out. For sure. Um, I, though I do want to say maybe, maybe explore this wisdom on your own for a while if you'd like. Um, no one's saying that this is necessary. Uh, however, working with someone like yourself could be massively um, helpful. Yeah. And, um, so why do some take longer than others? Well, just like Billy, he was always looking for a timeline. How long is this going to take me? How do I have to do it the right way? Right. How fast can I do this to, to, to be good? You know, and um, with me, I wasn't looking at a timeline. I was just looking at this is this is a journey. And this is some this is revealing myself to me. And so it's not a when you can change your focus and quit focusing on a timeline and quit focusing on how long does this take and focusing on finding someone that's just like me. And when you can shift your focus back to yourself and be like, what can I learn in this time? How, how can this become a valuable experience for me? And, and all of that timeline falls away and, and the healing just gets amplified and goes by so much quicker when you can look within and keep that focus on yourself instead of looking in the future. When you can be present right here, right now, focusing on me and what I need to do versus looking 10 years down the road and two months down the road, how, how am I going to be better in two months? How am I going to be better in six months? 
quit looking down the road. Just stay in the here and the now, be in the present moment. What's going on in, in outside? How, how's the weather? How's my scenery? How's my family? You know, how, how do I feel inside? And when I can focus and shift my perspective to gratitude, your healing is going to be amplified so much quicker. Oh, okay. That's, that's my, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> Massively important. I, I was like, um, Billy working on a timeline. We talked about that in our podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, always looking for results or expecting, you know, like, well, well, like six months should do it or whatever, having a timeline and it yeah. was an obstacle. Yeah. Um, that's all the questions I have. Um, it, is there anything else you would like to share or is there a message you'd like to leave uh, viewers with? And then I'll have one more question. Okay. Um, I would just say there's hope for everybody. There is not one person on this planet that your story is your diagnosis is not different. A lot of people are like, yeah, but my doctor said, yeah, but I'm different and my story is different. And, and I have this factor and I have this factor and, and I, and I, I don't have TMS, but I'm here to tell you everybody does everybody that is suffering with anything physical, anything that manifests physically has an emotional root and to quit focusing on the physical and come back to how you're feeling and, and, and really discover who you are and who you, who you really want to be versus who you are. And, um, there's hope for everybody is, is, um, my biggest message. And I would love to, you know, speak to any of of your people that want to reach out. I'm, I just, I I would love to give that hope to other people because that hope was given to me. And I feel like that is why I'm a coach is because I want everybody to feel that relief, that burden lifted that I had as well. Wonderful. Yes, definitely. I'm going to put the, all your information in the description below in case they can't find it. What, what is your, um, the name of your website? Yeah, it's painfreeforgood.com. You can also find me on Instagram at painfreeforgood um, and as well as Facebook at painfreeforgood. Okay, awesome. <laughs> All right, Heather, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's a, a real pleasure, real pleasure. I, I'm excited to, to publish this, this episode. Thank you. Um, Yes. So welcome. I wish everyone a a beautiful day. And uh, if you're wanting to reach out to Heather, Billy, myself, all the information is, is below in the description. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show. Or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.